Episode 230, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 3, A Life Spent. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am one of the hosts of this show where we like to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And especially we like to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that is what we're doing right now to talk about the third episode, second night of episodes, but the third episode (laughs) of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also with me are sitting here to my north is that's uh, me i'm in the north i'm always the north can't get much more north than what you are and still nope. remain in the united states of america i moving. can go south and get to canada that's true yeah yeah that's, that's Stu. that's agent Stu. <laughs> agent yep. Stu saying what's true and then we have <laughs> to my east we have east yeah my, you're, east you're you're to my east the, the east of me. Am I in, uh, I don't know, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia? I don't I don't know, but you're east of me, aren't you? In I'm a in, southerly direction, yes. I, yeah, that's, that's east-ish. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're here to talk about one of our favorite corners of said universe. And it's opening. It's opening up. And we've got some stuff to talk about. But first, let's talk about some news, shall we? Yes. All right. Okay. Shield intelligence report. All right, Stu, what do you got? I got two things. Well, one is a news and one is a maybe news. Okay. Well, it might be news next week. Where do you want to go first? Well, let's go with the, uh, the, the news news. News news. Okay. Jessica Jones, trailer two, or trailer for the second season. Set to Barracuda, released yeah. uh, recently, and that means that it's March. Oh, I don't remember. It's March eighth, I thought, but I'm gonna double check. Uh, the year is 2018, though, right? That's th- yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we know that much, but uh, wow, I have not watched this. By the way, I, I need you to. haven't watched it. I have not. It's so good. I have it's so not. Good. I've been I've been busy the last couple of days. So. <laughs> It's been a busy time, but yes, uh, Jessica Jones has a release date for season two, March 8th of 2018 on Netflix because we haven't had our uh, Disney streaming only thing yet show up. So it looks good. It looks good. I'm going to trust you on that because I I can't do anything but trust you and I have no reason not to trust you. Uh, but I will be watching soon. I, I, I just haven't yeah. had a chance to watch it yet. And I keep forgetting that it's a thing. So. Yeah. Uh, so the second bit of quote unquote news is this, this Disney Fox merger thing that was not happening and then happening and then not happening and then happening again and then not happening at all. And then now it's happening. Maybe. That's the news. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really what it is. It's it might be happening. People are talking to banks, and I imagine that there's lots of fretting and well, should we happening? And then 
So maybe next week this will be news that we'll actually talk about. Maybe. Because maybe. Yeah. I mean, I've already got opinions about it. And part of my I, uh, did you guys look at the article that I wrote about how to respond to this based on your <laughs> your Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh personality? No, I did not. You did not. Oh. OK. Did well, I miss that? I sent it to you guys. I did not post it for public consumption yet because it hasn't happened yet. But the article that I wrote uh, was uh, it's on our Patreon page. That's another reason why I haven't shared it, because we aren't really doing anything with that yet. And we're getting ready to. But um, but yeah, it's how do I respond to this based on my <laughs> Winnie the Pooh personality? And oh. so. Well, the answer is your Eeyore. Well, and no, so we no. Know how- <laughs> no I, obviously, that's that's how I would respond with the Eeyore, which is basically, oh, great. They're not going to have uh, any time for extra movies. And Yeah. Eeyore, if you're an Eeyore, you can't help seeing every cloud inside the silver linings. This will be no exception. So your action point, if you're Eeyore, is go ahead and mope and complain. And most (laughs) of all, worry. You know this means the schedule will either get too cluttered or it will mean pushing back all the movies you are looking forward to another three years to make room for more characters you like, the way Spider-Man pushed Black Panther back and pushed Inhumans off the schedule. And so then I also give a quote for what each character would say. And so Eeyore's quote is, oh, well... At least there will be room for me to see one movie every eight years featuring the character I like. Maybe one of those shows can show up on TV like Inhumans did. Oh, never mind. Yeah. And then if you're Tigger, you are so excited about this development. And your action point is go ahead, bounce off those walls and let yourself go because it's happening. It's a wonderful thing. And your quote is all my favorite characters are finally in one place. And the Fantastic Four and Wolverine and Deadpool can interact with Iron Man and Black Panther and Thanos. So... Yeah, it's a cute little article, but I I haven't posted it because I've there's just a lot of reasons for me to feel I don't know self conscious <laughs> about it. Yeah. Well, I will have to read it, and I look forward. I didn't realize it, it tied into Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, it all ties into Winnie the Pooh. You are you saying it's all connected? It all goes back to Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Except Winnie, Winnie the Pooh isn't going to show up in the movies. That's for sure. I don't know. Anyway. All that to say that if it becomes real news, then this article might actually have some sort of, I don't know, relevance. But And it, and if it becomes real news, I'm sure we will talk about it longer than the time we're going to talk about it yeah, right now. Yeah. So. so And if it's not real news, I mean, basically your Eeyore and your Tiggers are the ones who are going to be doing the most thinking about it until it becomes real news. And then you get Piglet involved and Rabbit and Owl. <laughs> Christopher Robin is the most important one, but I'll let you read the article guys to see why, Oh, why Christopher Robin is the most important one. So it's, it's a little bit of a teaser there. So. That's a teaser. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's our news. And I really want to talk about this episode. So yes, let's, let's talk about yes. the episode. Let's talk yes. about the episode. Mission report. Okay. Ladies and joins. Uh, here's how I would like us to, to talk about this episode. We're not going to go act by act. Instead, we're going to go uh, with, we have three plot threads to pull on. There's the Gemma Simmons plot thread. There's the Daisy sky plot thread, and there's the team plot thread. And Samantha, choose your own adventure. Which one would you like to start with? Hmm. Let's go with Gemma. All right. You've chosen Gemma. So turn to page 96. (laughs) And as you turn to page 96. Oh, 
Let's move. Let's let's do this. Okay, we left with the tag scene last episode where there was guests coming to see uh, Cassius, and this ship pulls up, and it's it's kind of a almost like a luxury liner is what it reminded me of. But um, now we find out who was on there. Uh, it was Lady oh, Basha, right? Is that her name? Mm. Something yeah, like Lady that, yeah. Basha. Lady Basha is on there and, and her envoy comes in and is escorted in by Sonara. And um, this esteemed guest seems to be human. And we need to talk about who or what these people are. But he comes on behalf of the Lady Basha and she is dining on her own ship. But she's looking forward to, quote, the ceremony. And then when this guy is done with his message giving... Um, Cassius turns to Gemma and says, I have a problem and you can fix it. The problem is a girl named Abby who is an inhuman and is having seizures and shaking and having trouble because ever since she went through Terragenesis, she has powers, but she can't use them. She doesn't have the, the control over them that she needs and she needs to be ready for the ceremony. And so uh, she tells Gemma that after the ceremony, if she can control her powers, she gets to be an ambassador to the skies uh, to the stars rather and she can't control her powers her powers are she is low rent tv kitty pride she can make <laughs> herself more dense but she can also phase through things and not only will she lose the good things if she can't get control she also will have her family get punished if she can't get control simmons guides her through it and helps her to develop the power uh and, and be able to develop some control over it but they're interrupted by Cassius. He is going to take her to the ceremony. And there's a little bit of an interaction between Cassius and Sonara. And Sonara actually has a line. So she might get paid more for this episode with that. Um, and the line is, he asks her, what makes Gemma, what does Gemma have that makes her so different? And her answer is compassion. Well, Lady Basha comes. She looks human. Uh, she's not painted blue. And... They're there for a ceremony that Simmons, uh, she doesn't know what's going on. And the ceremony is this. They sit down. They're looking down on an open area with doors on either side of it. One door opens and here comes Abby. And the other door opens and here comes a guy I have labeled Mortal Kombat. And as Mortal <laughs> Kombat comes through, Abby yells, I know him. He's a friend from work. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, sadly. <laughs> Mortal Kombat has killed 17 opponents in seven systems, and he starts beating her up. And it's hard. Hardcore. It's rough to watch. Um, Gemma whispers, just think of the stars, because that's how she helped her get control. She's talking about you have control of the space between the stars. Mortal Kombat goes to give her a punch, punches right into her chest it's supposed to be a death blow he's been given the thumbs down kind of signal to give the death blow and his arm just breaks and then she reaches Very into Luke his cage yeah only i think a little grosser um <laughs> and then she puts her hand into his body and reaches in and solidifies it kills him then a transaction happens for abby between Cassius and lady basha uh, Gemma accuses him of selling her. He, she says, you sold her. And he basically says back to her, you helped me get a better price. So Lady Basha, let's start there. What's her deal? Uh, do you think she's human? I mean, she seems to be, I don't know, maybe collecting 
champions or something like that. But clearly she's buying in humans. That's almost the impression I get is that she just shows up, show me your best. And yeah. Well, okay. So why would Cassius, you know, kowtow, if that's even a word, I don't know what it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Why would he even do that to a human? I mean, he, he has all other humans held within disdain. So why would this one be different? Yes. I'm not saying she is or isn't. I'm just saying that this seems like his his M.O. Why would it be? The clues to me seem to be that she's not human. No, right, I think that she, she just looks human. Yeah, I think she's one of the uh, she's of one of the many humanoid species in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls them Terrans. Uh, to her, which doesn't seem like a a thing he would do if she was human. Um, mm-hmm. And yet you're right. I mean, she, and the, like, also the way she talks about the place, this backwater mm-hmm. rock. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess technically she could be from Mondas. Aren't her eyes kind of red? Oh, yeah, they are. are so they? That I, would... I did not see that. Um, now, granted, I watched half of this episode on my phone. Oh, um, that would be it. Yeah, so I, there's might yeah, be some details like that that I wasn't that. able to to get on. But. Yeah, no, her her eyes are really like like fire engine red. Okay, like you know uh, when you have a white rabbit and its eyes are red, it's like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so I'm curious. This introduces a whole bunch of new relationships and, and some relationship development, I guess, with um, with Cassius because he wants to impress her and he wants to impress her because it means money for him. I, I get the impression that his only consequence if he doesn't impress her is he won't get money uh, or won't get whatever is traded um, because then he's turning to the you know, there are many people whose lives depend on her doing well. One of them being the trainer, possibly one of them being Gemma. Um, but he's he's got like an attraction or an affinity, if nothing else, for Gemma. And that's a little weird. It is. Now, in the previous episode, his affinity for perfection was was something. And you almost get the idea that because she's unblemished by the many scars that would come out of living where they live and also the, uh, the metrics that they wear, you almost get the impression that he doesn't care that she doesn't have a metric. <laughs> he, it actually adds to the, I don't know, the, the quality of the product. If you're going to talk about humans and, and inhuman, not inhuman, if you're going to talk about inhumans in less than human terms, because inhuman has another meaning here. Yeah, He's like, a collector of really expensive, like 1970s Star Wars figures that are still in their pristine package. Yes, that were never paid for or never opened and played with, I should say. But that right. would have paid for my college had I just never played with them ever. Uh, not this kid. Not this kid. And my career, my writing career, I, I do say... Uh, can be traced directly back to playing with my action figures. Very nice. Just the, nice. the storytelling and the imagination and, and that kind of thing. So, okay. So let's talk about another relationship here. And, and that is, uh, 
Cassius uh, and Sonara. Um, he's asking Sonara, did you set Gemma up to fail? And, or did you set her up to succeed? And I, I don't know what Sonara actually was thinking, but he puts words in her mouth and says, oh, you wanted to make me happy. Uh, because she did succeed or she was looked like she might have succeeded. And and then that's when she has her line about, you know, what is what does Gemma have that makes her different? And it's compassion. That's what that's what makes her want to succeed with Abby. She didn't want to succeed with Abby for any reason other than I want to help this girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked how she sort of invoked Carl Sagan's star stuff from Cosmos. And that was a, a realistic way to get to her. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a pretty powerful sort of metaphor when you start looking at it and start breaking it down. But so of, of true physics, that is one of my favorite aspects of it. We're all made of stardust. Well, what I liked about it was she broke it down. You know, we, we all are made of the same things. You know, and mm-hmm. you have control over that. You have control over the space between the stars. Think of the space between the stars. And and it almost becomes like this simple, calming mantra that that girl needed. Because getting yes. be- getting beaten up by Mortal Kombat, you know, that's that's kind of stressful. You know, you need something to calm yourself down if, mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, do anything at all well she also she also sees Gemma up there in the stands and and Gemma says star stuff or whatever she says no that's that's what I'm saying that right yeah she she again reminded her of that and and that became that's the moment you know that Mm -hmm. kind of things change when she picks up her shield and and runs into oh wait no that didn't happen (laughs) and she says hey big fella (laughs) <laughs> it's getting dark or yeah. And then she gets hit and <laughs> knocked across the <laughs> Well she did. That that was a hard scene to watch. I mean it, just the It big, was. You now you knew where it was going to end. Uh, mm-hmm. now you maybe didn't know the details, but you knew she was going to rally, use her powers and and, and survive. Mm-hmm. And and or rather maybe you were hoping that's what because if it didn't end that way. Uh, Gemma would be devastated. Now, Gemma's, mm-hmm. Gemma's still devastated, but for different reasons instead. And I think the other part that was so tough was the fact that it was a, you know, a young girl. The, had it been, yes, had it been a big green guy and, a, and an Asgardian god, it's fine. But because it's a young girl who's vulnerable and whatnot. This arena battle between two gladiators was much more difficult to watch than Thor. And Hulk, yes. No, because Thor and Hulk was comedy. At, at, when yeah, it, no, all the way got down to it, it was comedy. This is, you know, kind of intense. Well, as the doors are opening, though, you can't help but feel that they're trying to invoke that. Right. Like, remember this thing you liked in that movie? And then it's like, well, wait, no, they are going in a completely different direction with this. Yeah. Uh, one last bit for me with with this section is let's talk about Inhumans. Um, they, they put her through terogenesis when she was 18, yeah. they put everyone through terogenesis when they're 18. Like, what? let me, yeah. Hey, you're 
Let yeah. me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Do you think this is opening up to some sort of Inhumans crossovers showing up? Something like that? I have no idea. I mean, Inhumans are an important part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a concept. And right. so to to pull on those threads in the future, you know, this 100 years in the future and the world's been destroyed, but Inhumans are still a thing. And so there's still some people with powers around. It makes sense. But as for crossover, I I don't think for this pod, let's put it that way. The, the, it doesn't make sense for them to show up on the show yet. Let me say, that's how I'll say it. It, it. Maybe later it will, but right now it doesn't. I would absolutely love though. And it would almost make up for the not greatness. I'm not going to say the badness, but the not greatness of inhumans. If they would turn around and have found this bunker, that's actually part of the moon and Maximus is still in there. I, (laughs) I think that would be cool. (laughs) I don't, that's, I don't know. I just don't know. Or humans was such a, was such a, uh, oddity that it's hard to it's hard to see where it might fit into the grand scheme of things yeah yeah the the thing is if any inhumans show up on agents of shield or if all of them showed up on agents of shield their series becomes their origin story you know mm-hmm. and so we have that background and that that um groundwork has been laid for it but yeah but i yeah. I, I find this interesting that she says everyone at 18 goes through terragenesis and so is this some sort of, I don't know. Do they just feed him fish oil or, or what? <laughs> well, it didn't now. Okay. So in the show, in the human show, didn't they also go through terror Genesis at 18 I, for I a specific time in, in their life? Yeah. Terror Genesis was a, a ceremony, mm-hmm. a coming, a coming of age ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just really curious. Like, how does this play out? And, and what's, you know, from a, from a real world perspective, did they, it almost seems like they were writing this and producing this at the same time that Inhumans was being written and produced or even aired. So I wonder if they, um, well, probably not airing, but I wonder if they sort of course corrected into this lane or they're sort of course correcting out out of this lane. I don't know. It's the 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 good thing about Ages of Shield though, at least in my opinion, or one of the good things is the way that they pull on these threads that have been played placed down before. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I while mean, while there here, may not be while there may not be like definitive callbacks, there's threads. And and this is absolutely one of those threads where it's a natural logical thing they do the same thing in the framework these natural logical things uh that they can play with like bringing ward back and letting him be a good guy and and why is he a good guy because that's kind of who he was as far as the um the memories of the people involved and and the records that had been left behind that would would have been used to create the framework um it just it's it's these nice little moments and so this this thing within humans, I mean, humans are not going anywhere on TV. They are mm-hmm. they are on TV to stay, whether or not they get another season of their show. 
So that's in humans. As far as the, the Gemma Simmons stuff goes then, do you have anything else to to touch on that, that caught your fancy? Caught no, your I'm attention? good. Well, if uh, they want to somehow entangle the Inhumans, um, the royal family, back into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, that's going to be a big risk because um, some uh, we're now currently at the end of 2017 and some are calling Inhumans to be one of the worst shows of the year. And so that would be a huge risk for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to try to tie them back in because that would ter- actually turn a lot of viewers away because they don't have an attachment to that show. Yeah, or even even worse than not having an attachment, they have a predisposition against it. Right. Like, yeah. I think, though, that if they were to... And it's the MCU. They've done this very well in different situations. If they were to drop in Maximus or... I hesitate to say Black Bolt, but maybe Maximus and Medusa and Black Bolt or some one of the people who can sort of drop in, give their backstory in a sentence, do the thing that they got to do and then, you know, beat it on out. They could be they could do that. They could that could work. Yeah, but as it is right now, I feel like Inhumans is going to be one of those lost plot threads where. Yeah. You know, totally. like like Agent Carter, like Red Skull, like <laughs> I, I mean, these these things that they have and like uh, like uh, the Mandarin even where mm-hmm. you could have left it as it was. But instead, they they made a, a Marvel one shot about the Mandarin just to say, hey, we're actually going to have a different person who's the Mandarin, maybe. But no, we're not. You know, and so we're <laughs> just throw these plot threads out there that aren't going to go anywhere and gravitron. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of things in, in agents of shield that we, that I feel that they should try and go back to. And, mm-hmm. and if not, if not finish an arc, it's because it's not an arc that you have there. It's just, uh, yeah. Dangling plot thread that we've moved on and away from. Maybe. Wait a minute. I, Stu, what if it's Gravitron uh, who destroyed the Earth? I hope so. Ooh. Now that's that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. So it's not Especially- it's not Daisy fighting Black Bolt that destroyed the Earth. It's Daisy fighting Gravitron trying to stop him. Yeah. And yet somehow it's her fault. It's her fault because she was involved in the situation. So it's not actually her fault, but she's involved enough that blame is placed on her over, you know, as legends turn into myth and myth turns into lore. Ah, And Daisy turns into the destroyer of worlds. I totally see that that I, regardless of who she fights, I definitely believe she is one of those, uh, people who got blamed for something in history that didn't actually do the thing in history because of the way the media works. And, and like the one guy, I forget his name. Uh, no, I want to 
call him Kronk, and it's not Kronk. Deke? <laughs> Deke. Yeah. yeah, that guy. Low-rent TV Star-Lord? Low-rent TV Star-Lord yeah. uh, is putting together pieces, and he's coming up to a picture, but it's the wrong one. So. Yeah. I. Well, it, okay. So with the Choose Your Own Adventure, uh, Stu, we have two choices now. Uh, we can talk about Daisy and Deke, or we can talk about the team and Grill. Uh, do you want to go to Daisy or do you want to go to the team? Let's go. Let's continue down the Daisy thread. All right. So here's Daisy's plot line. Daisy is arguing with Deke and uh, they come out of the, the framework and they find out there's been a purge and Deke talks with Daisy about how planet earth went from smooth to chunky. Which I, I wonder if he actually knows about the peanut butter that he's referencing, but um, he also brings up the multiverse theory, which makes things a lot more messy. I, I did not want to hear that, uh, but it's something we're going to have to talk about. And then uh, as they argue more, uh, she ends up using his power, her powers on him. And he's like, there it is. Quake, the destroyer of worlds. And she's like, don't call me that again. Uh, Cause it's really long. And I can't sign checks with that. And there's an <laughs> argument then about yeah. jumping in too quick and there's, there's consequences. So she wants to just go after Simmons and find Simmons. And he's like, that's, this is not a good idea. Uh, Yo-Yo gives her a, a scroll so she can go and do this investigation. She goes around and investigates looking for Simmons. But as she continues her investigation search, she finds herself on an elevator that gets two other occupants that are Cree. And so she wedges herself in the ceiling of the elevator uh, and does a great job of it and slips just a little bit. It looked like it was her hands that were slipping and made a squeaking so sound. However, uh, that's what it looked like to me anyway. The um, the subtitles say shoes squeak. And so <laughs> she's able to stay up there, but she's kind of and they look up and she fights them. And is this almost a hallway fight? I mean, it's an elevator fight. Um, mm -hmm. But is you know this? It's not Netflix, but it's it's uh, Daisy doing what she does. That fight was good too. It was a good fight. It was an exciting fight. She uses her powers, throws a guy through the wall, and <laughs> says, uh, "Yeah, that's not as stealth as I had hoped." And so instead of being stealthy, she just blasts herself, her blasts her way into the ceiling of a hallway, where she is captured by two barriers and gas, and we see that Deke. Deke is the one who has betrayed her. The Kree knew that she was coming and they capture her. Anyone else think of uh, Serenity as oh, they were yes. watching this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. That's that was definitely River. I mean, I don't know if that was on purpose because it it worked well for what they had, but yeah. I was totally seeing River. Um, do you think Deke? What do you think Deke's motivation is? <laughs> I survival. It, yeah, but he does that. Does that put him into the good guy camp or the bad guy camp? That what puts him into Deke's camp. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> he's he's nobody's. Deke's hat is Deke color. That's what it is. 
yeah, he Deke is he's going to come back to the side of the angels. I, I, I believe. I don't know if he's left the side of the angels. I, I, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so what kind of motivation would allow him to, to do this? It's not just a purely selfish motivation. I think that these people are living in such a state of, well, we've already seen, uh, these renewals. Uh, they're living in such a state of peril and survival that, they can't think about anything else but their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're like, they're literally living by the skin of their teeth. And because if they don't, you know, they could be killed easily. They're disposable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, clearly, personhood is is not a thing here. It is. They are disposable. And they I mean, one of the things with the renewal, I think, is just to reinforce the idea that you don't have value. You, your life does not have value and you are the only one who values your life. And if you want to survive, you must take another life, someone else's life. And so other people are devalued in that situation. And, and that's, that's control. I mean, it's. They are controlling people by devaluing everyone else around them, which means no one has value. Yes. Unfortunately, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see where Deke lands in this whole, um, show. It's going to be interesting. Well, on a, when I was watching the scene, I was thinking the easiest way to keep the humans from attacking the Kree is to make sure the humans turn on each other. And the renewal is one way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kept off balance. They are given a false sense of, of devaluation. Uh, now that's, that comes from me. I mean, I, I believe that human life inherently has value. Of course. And, and so, because of that, and, and you know that comes from my religious upbringing and, and different places, and, and it comes from different different people get to that place from different directions. But uh, this is how I get to it, and and this is absolutely the Cree just kind of building into their their slave race to say you have no value, and not only that, we control you utterly. Not only that, uh, we're going to make you fight for your food against each other, so your enemies. Yes, we are your enemies, but we give you food. And the other humans are the ones who are taking food away from you. Right. Yeah. It's insidious, but but brilliant. And a population control, too, because they're on such a small little place. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that's also that also went back to the inhumans. Kind of. <laughs> Well, they didn't really address it too much, but it's absolutely something we were wondering about. What, what did they have? 1,200 people? 1,400 people? Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we have going on here with Daisy? She's doing the stealth thing. Oh, here's my question now. <laughs> they capture her. This is where we kind of get into the multiverse thing. They mm. capture her. She's clearly from a point before she destroyed the earth. 
And if she never goes back to that point in time where she destroys the earth, this world that they live on is, you know, will, will never happen. Not unless she's living in a loop where she and where it is absolutely dead certain that she's going to go back and the earth is destroyed anyways. But and she my, fails in her mission to save the planet. Yeah. My, my thinking though is the idea is, you know, if they, if this Kree guy has her prisoner and he's so happy to have the destroyer of worlds at some point, he's going to have to let her go. Right. You know? And in his mind, he needs to know that, you know, oh, at some point I'm gonna have to let her go because otherwise my, my whole beautiful fiefdom will, will disappear or have never existed. And, or maybe he'll have a five to elsewhere, which is, I think, likely. I, I just don't want there to be bebopping around all of cosmic time and space. There's another yeah. show on TV for that. Let's just stick with it. Yeah, the, the yeah, multiverse idea. I mean, if you're if you're accepting that as a scientific certainty, then it's going. Once you do storytelling like this, you know, time travel and all that kind of thing. Why not go there? The problem is for me is I like the idea of just having and we've talked about this one version of our characters, you know, and mm -hmm. that I can follow. And I don't necessarily want, you know, a replacement to come from another universe. And I, I feel like in some ways that's a little bit of a cheat. And, and I don't know, maybe there are people who are fans of this kind of thing. Like I'm a fan of time travel, but the problem I think here is I, I just give me a linear story, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I, I think it works well for some things, but they have gone out of their way. And I'm sure I've said this before to say that hashtag it's all connected. And so then if you, if you use the multi, you know, worlds theory, whatever it is, many worlds theory, then you have, you've cheated that you've made the, it's all connected less relevant. I think it works for the DC television series as well as the DC, you know, you have the DC TV and then you have DC movies. And I think the separation of them works really well. Although I don't remember where I said this. So I might've said this in the last episode or I might've just been in a conversation, but I, I really love the idea of the movie Flash showing up on the TV show. I think that would go well. I and I think he fun. could yeah. And it fits with what they've already set up. The, but the other thing that happens is, is you're right, is you end up with then these, you know, concurrent uh, multi storylines. And you end up with a situation like with uh, Batman in the 70s, where you had Batman from Earth one and Batman from Earth two. And they were two different characters. And if there was crossover, it got a little bit confusing. And even if so, if you're reading a book and you don't know it's about Earth two, why is Batman older? Why does Batman have a daughter? Why is you know th this kind of thing? And um, it just gets confusing as well if you know for your casual viewers who are going to be like, okay, well, wait a minute, why is you know why do we have two different Captain Americas or or whatever? And yeah, I we'll see where they go with it. I mean, I'm borrowing trouble. I'm totally being Eeyore right now. I'm totally being Eeyore, and I accept it and I cop to it. Um, but that's my thinking. 
This yep. would be one of those moments where I would become Eeyore too, because it's just, well, I think probably the, the point of frustration is you don't know how that the physics of time work in this universe. And, but, and the problem is our characters are still trying to figure out how to get home and they're less concerned about, uh, how is this going to affect our futures? Right. And the the other thing you're looking at is if you open up this multiverse thing, do they ever get home? Can they get home? You know, that's that's one thing that's come up in some stories that I've seen where it's just, well, we have to find the universe that's closest to home. <laughs> and yeah, it's you, we're talking sliders now, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, yeah, sliders. And but uh, what I'm hoping for here is that we're gonna, going to end up with an aborted time, an aborted timeline. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for as well. I, I don't want X Men, which is uh, a comic book series that um, was was all about hopping through these different universes and all these different versions of all the different characters. And there's fun stuff you can do with that, but that's not what I'm hoping for here. We'll see. I mean, I if they do it well, we'll get on board. But they got to do it really well. Well, this season so far, they've done really well and does not deserve to be on Friday night. Yet again, I will get on that soapbox. Yeah, yeah. People should watch it on but Monday it's not instead. On Fox. Wait, that's me. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not on Fox, Samantha. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our team. The team is working for Grill, and it's almost slave labor, and Mac gets upset, and he tries to go after Grill, but then can't because Grill controls them with their bracelet thing or their their uh, metric things, and um, it turns out he's actually getting some intel, finding out what was in the room where Grill is kind of controlling everything, and uh, Tess still owes Grill, Grill uh, a double haul, and so she's going to go out in the trawler, and she's... She's Virgil's friend, Virgil from the first episode. And um, Mac and Coulson are going to go with her. And uh, May is the pilot, the new pilot, which was what Virgil was doing. Grill doesn't trust them because someone's stealing from him. And he always thought Virgil was stealing from him. And so now he sends Zev, his his muscle guy, to, to keep an eye on them. And they go. And Coulson needs tests and she tries to convince him or convince Tess to go to sector 616 or asteroid 616 or whatever, because Virgil is going there a lot and Tess agrees, but that's when uh, Zev shows up says, I'm coming with you. And so now they have to figure out how to go ahead and go there without him uh, knowing what they're doing. And uh, he hears them whispering. He sees them. Uh, they, they found uh, the missing knob which was in Virgil's globe. It's the lost knob that opens a secret cabinet, but they get busted. Um, meanwhile, Yo-Yo used her power to make it look like uh, the, her metric was on the fricks. And when Grill removed her metric, she runs fast and far, gets a scroll, gives it to Daisy. That's how Daisy was able to get into where she got into with the mess that she got into. Uh, Zev attaches everyone to the wall, but May does a great piloting move and, Knocks uh, Zev off balance. Mac comes and knocks out Zev and Tess freaks out. This is bad. We just attacked a superior and now we're dead and she panics. Coulson, meanwhile, picks up a transmission bouncing off of Meteor 616, but coming from the surface of the Earth. 
but they got bigger problems because Zev has caused them to lose fuel. And now they have to return back without having the opportunity to either investigate or get the actual stuff that they needed to get for grill. And yeah, it's, she says the moment we lied about this mission is the moment someone had to die, but they don't kill Zev. Instead, they just go back. And so Grill is totally unhappy. Tess tries to take the blame, but Yo-Yo plants a weapon on Zev, making it look like he's the thief because someone stole that gun. It's probably Grill's gun. He's going to report this as a violation, though, to the authorities because no one is above the rules. And so we come back to our post-credit, and it's our season tag from season four where Colson says, all right, Phil, enough sightseeing. Time to get back to work. That work is working for Grill, but also listening to the transmission where they say, have you secured the delegation? And they now say, we have to get to Earth, but nothing can survive on the surface because that's where they send people to die. People like Zev, who stole and had a gun. And he's there and gets eaten by the Xenomorphs. Or the low-rent TV Xenomorphs. Okay, aside from the multiverses, this is an episode where it, it, it exists on a lot of faith Okay, <laughs> that this stuff could possibly happen. Because how on earth can anyone survive on Earth like that? I mean, can, is it possible for an atmosphere, atmosphere to still exist on a part of a planet like that? I don't think it can. Well, my understanding is anything that's big enough to have a gravitational force can have an atmosphere. True, but but that atmosphere, yeah, that atmosphere also exists on a sphere and there then you're talking about circular momentum and cuz without that center of gravity then the um the atmosphere will disperse into space and it will be if it still exists on the planet it's very very thin. It's well, like it would be like Maybe like Mars, if if just a dead rock. The guy was clearly it's cold, but it's windy. I think it was windy. Okay. Seems like it was windy, but it was stormy. Cold. Yeah, stormy. There was there was weather patterns. So whatever that means, maybe there's a uh, source of gravity that's not from I don't know. There's still a bit of the molten core there. There is. Yeah, because it's underneath this crust of Earth, there's this red glow of lava. I have been very curious how the science works here because this is the MCU and there's basically a scientific explanation for almost everything. And this is one of those where you're right, but the faith that I'm feeling is okay. I have faith in the writers that they're going to have created something that could exist or at least created a reason, maybe a science fiction reason heavy on the fiction for it to exist. The only way I can imagine that anyone is still living on what that, that biggest, that largest chunk of the earth is if they're living in an underground bunker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As far as actual survival, I mean, temporary survival, the guy... Maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're just in fantasy land. 
um, with fantasy physics and. So Ben, I have a question for you. Okay. We've seen Marvel have different uh, universes in their books before. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the prime universe or the first universe? That would be the 616. That's what I thought. Yep. So it cannot be a coincidence. It just can't <laughs> that she calls it the 616. That no, she no. calls this rock 616. It's a callback. That's not the first time we've heard those numbers on the show. No, it's not. Okay, so they named the rock, right? So she was on a mission to rock 616. So they named the rock 616. Again, it's kind of too on the nose for it to not be pointing at something. Now, whether or not it's pointing to, you know, to it being an alternate universe or something like that, I don't know. But... I just don't know. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we've got, uh, we got Colson and his team and they're working for grill. And so you clearly have this guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's a crime boss more or less. I mean, he, he's got power, but that's just because he's, he's the one who's ruthless enough to pull people together and to demand things from, from people. And, but then you also have him, he's scared of the Cree. Uh, you know, once, once the gun is out in the open, uh, somebody, you stole this from somebody and I have to report this as a violation now. Cause no one's above the rules. It was his gun. <laughs> Grill is awesomely played by one of the best character actors I've ever seen, uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who was in a movie called identity, which creeped me just right out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's, he's an interesting guy because he's that, he's that middle guy. Who's the, you know, the, the slavers, the slaver master, you know, the, he's the guy who enforces everything, but is still a slave himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also, I think the guy who I think the Cree know what he's up to. And just like, Deke, just like Deke, they let him do what he's doing Mm -hmm. because yeah, because it keeps the humans in control in a way. Yep. And I'm so the bits and pieces we're getting, I'm, I'm liking what we're getting. I just want to know more. You know, mm-hmm. I want to know, okay, so what got us to this point? And are there other bunker type things on other asteroids? And do they tie into each other? Or, you know, they're talking about bringing in people for processing. Is that the, like, are they out going out capturing people and bringing them back? Um, I, I'm just really, really curious. I, I, and that's a good thing. Uh, they've, they, they're doing some world building and I want, I want more. I want, I want to know more and I, I want to know more quicker. Than... <laughs> <laughs> well, Veruca, we'll give you your golden egg. And nice. He... <laughs> I want it now. It's my money and I want it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I want, I want to see more too. And I think they're, they're doing a very good job of, 
laying it out, getting us comfortable in the situation, adding a little bit of Easter eggs like the 616 rock and and um, and Lighthouse stuff like- too. I believe Lighthouse is another thing that's a reference. I don't know what the reference is. I just saw someone posting about it. And so it might have actually been from one of our feedback. I hope it's one of our feedback. But if it's not, we'll come back to it later. But they're doing a great job of giving us something that is different, but also feels very the same. Yeah, yes. and, and I, I'm enjoying seeing our characters do their thing, have fun doing it. Um, I mean, it's, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in space. And usually, oftentimes, that's where, that's where you're, you're, you're jumping the shark there, you know? I mean, right. you, you get Jason in space and, you know, <laughs> it's just you're jumping the shark. You, you put Leprechaun in space and oh, yeah, it's <laughs> that, that's that's where oh, that's gosh. the last that's the last place to go before, you know, you have to do a reboot. And yeah, I, I I'm liking that we're here in space. I how are they going to get back to the past? And, and where's Fitz fit in all of this? Yeah, Fitz is um Fitz is interesting because he's not there yet and you kind of can't figure out where he is. He doesn't he doesn't easily lend himself to being somewhere else, right? Because he can't be on the planet. <laughs> and I'll say I mean they called it out last episode, but it's it's it is getting a little a little frustrating having Fitz and Simmons get together, but then the universe just tears them apart from each other. And, and then they get, they get together. Oh, the universe pulls them apart again. And so, you know, Oh, Simmons on another planet. Oh, Simmons in the future on another planet. That's actually the mm-hmm. same planet, but it's a completely different planet now because it's blown up. But um, yeah, I, these kids, they can't catch a break, you know? <laughs> So we'll, nope, they can't. We'll we'll see what happens with that, but I just don't want them to end season five with them, you know, those two, you know, going out and and just riding into the sunset, and they're finally together. But now they're boring because they're together, you know, like well, Peter you know Parker and Mary Jane, boring, and Clark Isn't Kent, it, and Lois Lane, boring. It's either that or they die, right? No, that's what I'm saying is, is, is let them be together and and do things, you know, instead of putting fits in the framework and let them be together and do stuff together. Let them have a good, solid teamwork relationship that we don't see at all ever on TV (laughs) because it always has to be will they, won't they? Because they're kind of stuck in this sort of. Mulder and Scully relationship <laughs> paradox where if they get together, the show will die. <sighs> yeah. It, well, but that's just the thing because it's an ensemble show. They can get it together and the show, happen. the show won't die. You know, Mulder and Scully, well, that was a big part of it with the will. They won't they moonlighting. That was a big part of it. The will they won't they cheers the will they won't they, you know, and once Friends. they, yeah, once you get to the, you know, will yeah. they, yes, they will. Then it doesn't have to be boring is what I'm saying. I mean, in real life, you know, 
you can have long-term well, relationships that aren't boring. It's an easy dramatic thing to to get them together to pull them apart. Yes. It it lends itself dramatically very nicely. Yes, it does. I didn't yeah. say it was good. I just said it it's easy. Um now that being said, I do like what is going on with this, but so uh, one last thing for me and and then we'll see if there's anything else that you guys want to cover, but speaking of will they won't they? Colson put his hand on May's shoulder. Yeah, boom. Mm. Now, was that I which hand is his robot hand? Is it the left hand? I don't know. I think it's his left hand. I can't remember, but I think it's his left hand. That's the hand that he puts on her shoulder, though, and when he asks her, how's the leg? And she says, ah. mm-hmm. and he just keeps that hand on her shoulder. And Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've never liked the Felinda, Phil and Melinda. Never liked it. I liked it mm-hmm. as a friendship. Mm-hmm. That's yes. the way I liked it. Uh, and so this could still be friendship zone stuff, but. Uh, I mean, he's going to have to work really hard to get promoted out of the friend zone, to be quite honest. You know what, Phil? You want to get out of that friend zone? Be there for her. That's all I say. Well, he I think. Of course, then again, you know, once there are, there are certain situations that once you're in the friend zone, it's it's you're not getting out. But I, I, I think that's he's, all he can really do. I think he's I mean, she's not exactly the most approachable person ever. I mean, her last boyfriend turned into a monster. So, uh, yeah, he puts the hand on her shoulder and it's out of genuine concern. Mm-hmm. So does that move him out of the friend zone? Not necessarily, but it, it doesn't hurt. And, and honestly, it helps the friend zone. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a, a genuine caring relationship that they have for each other. And and I would much rather watch that. Will they won't they will they stay friends or won't they? You know, Phil will go to Melinda later and be like, look, your last boyfriend, not a good guy turned into a monster. I won't ever turn into a monster promise. Oh, I mean, oh. what's the story? I mean, I'm a cyborg, robotic hand, but, but that's not a monster. <laughs> don't just don't, don't do that. People don't, <laughs> don't go and <laughs> trash talk the person they tragically lost to monsterhood. <laughs> Don't do that. No. He was a good guy mm-hmm. until the monster thing happened. I still, in my mind, think Blair Underwood's a bad guy. Yeah, and he wasn't just her boyfriend. They were That's married right. at one they point. They were married. Yeah, were married. yeah. Phil, if you're listening, please do not trash talk the ex-husband. Well, the deceased husband. The deceased do husband that. who died a tragic death. Don't do that, Phil. Don't follow don't my think, example. Is it really in Phil Coulson's character to do something like that? I don't think so. It's not, but it's in Stu's character, apparently. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> All right. Hey, I think we need to move to uh, listener feedback now. And we, we've got a yep. couple different emails here. So let's let's do it. 
Shield Field Report. Okay, so we have a message. We're going to start with a message from Dallas. And we're going to end with a message from Dallas. Subject, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Feedback. Must say I have missed this show a lot. It feels like it's been more than a year and a few months since it's been on. Great start to the season. The writing on the show is so different, and I love it. I like the humor, questions, and thought throughout the show. How and what was the agent at the beginning of the show? What was is he working for, and what do they want with our agents? What happened to Earth and humanity? What are the Korean doing, and why? What is Fitz up to? I feel like uh, the emphasis added, by the way, with my voice. I feel like the FX are so far are great. And I feel like it has something to do with the fact that our characters are basically stuck in one area instead of flying all over the world. I am just ready to continue this five-year adventure we have followed these characters on so far. For people who haven't watched this show, I'd really like to show them the pilot episode and then this se- and then the season four finale. The difference in each character, I don't see how someone wouldn't be interested in seeing what happened to each person throughout the season. Thanks for all the content, Dallas. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Just to, to show, and it's kind of a teaser, you know? It's here's first episode. Here's this episode. How do we get from there to here? You have to watch and find out. All right. Jason from California writes in and says, Subject, Deke deserves a medal. Here's his message I hope a Fitz LMD is running a base on Earth. Too long without Fitz and some solid answers will frustrate me. Above all, Deke is the smartest character right now. Now, this message was sent after the episode we just watched. Uh, Daisy flashing her powers, attacking guards to breach the king's castle without a plan. Even if she got Gemma, where could they hide? The humans wouldn't help the destroyer of Earth, not with the retaliation killings she would have started. So, yes, turn her into the Cree for credit. So she's their problem and she gets to see Simmons triple win. Best of all, S.H.I.E.L.D. won't do anything since they're now a spy agency that doesn't keep secrets. They didn't secure the cockpit. They didn't guard the prisoner. They risked the entire mission by letting the foreman turn them in. So even if they are mad, Deke can just turn them into. The new guy is trying to teach the rules. I hope the heroes start learning. And he brings up a point that that I did forget to to mention, and that is um, Mac yelling at Tess. When she says the minute we lied about this mission, someone had to die. He says, as S.H.I.E.L.D., we live by a code and we're not bending to your twisted worldview. And that's when Zev let the fuel out, which completely caused them to not be able to do the mission. We're in Starfleet. We don't lie, is what I heard (laughs) with Max saying that. It's like. Dude, where are you? You're in space. The rules don't apply anymore, which is, I think, I, I think that might be down to writing. I, I firm, I believe that last episode, Mac would have said something like that. This episode, Mac needed to say, we're in Starfleet. We don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, yeah, I mean, this is where you're talking about morality. You're talking about. You know, if when the situation changes, does the morality change? And mm-hmm. uh, is it okay now because we're killing to save a life? And when is it okay where you're not just killing to save a life, but you're 
killing to, you know, preemptively possibly stop a situation where you might be hurt. And then it becomes just, I'm just going to kill you because I can, and and I'm going to get you out of the way because your life has no value. And it's just, where does this end? And for Mac, he's got that high moral ground that he's taking. And Tess is just, if we don't kill this guy, we are going to die. What I think is missing here, and it's missing for the audience, and I'm sure it's missing for the characters, um, is what is this whole a life or a life, whatever, whatever. What is this whole thing about having to kill people to keep the balance? And I guess it's to keep the balance, but it'd be nice if a character like Tess actually said that thing. <laughs> Well, they, what the, what this whole thing means, you know what I mean? I, I think that she did, uh, or someone like her did. I mean, they they had the explanation of this life for a life, and and if you're not pulling your own weight, you're you're dead weight. But I do like the idea here that Jason is talking about, though, and that is the idea that Deke turning in Simmons is is doing so not just for his own well being. But he's doing so because, or not turning Simmons, uh, turning in Sky. He's he's doing so because she's doing a terrible plan, and it's actually protecting just more than just himself with that. Right, she's running off, you know, half cocked, ready to go, and not thinking about a plan. And he's saying, you know what? I can get you in there. It's going to happen. You're not going anywhere. But she doesn't see that. And he may just have saved her life, honestly, by doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Subject, yeah. Season 5, Episode 3, from Agent Hank. And oh, hey, Agent Hank. How are you today? He's back again. Uh, he's, he's, he's doing okay. Uh, he's feeling better. Is what he says because uh, his, no, he hasn't been able to do any calls because his voice has been bad. So, um, so he actually does at the end of his message say, "I'm feeling better, so hopefully I can resume calling in soon." Anyway, uh, <laughs> Agent Hank says just a few bullet point observations here. Point: Love the fact that the coordinates that Virgil had in his book were designated six one six. Point: It's too bad Virgil was killed early on. He could have totally been like Virgil. Dante's guide in the Inferno. And what is this dystopia or inter- interpretation agents they find themselves in, but a situation rather they find themselves in, but a verification of Inferno. Ah, what could have been point. We still don't know what happened to Fitz when the others were kidnapped. What if he were left behind purposefully in order to begin preparing the way for the team to return to this time? What if he were the one who began the prophecy of the delegation coming in the first place? What if he is waiting for them somewhere on the remains of the planet? Point. I still don't think Daisy is responsible for the destruction of the planet. I think they are trying too hard to hang the, quote, destroyer of worlds label on her. I think this would be could well be a misdirect. Point. Deke did not betray Daisy. He is, as always, calculating and is, in fact, quote, playing the long game in order to help her. It will be interesting to see what happens next point. I'm feeling better. So hopefully I can return, resume calling in soon. So, um, fits on the planet as an LMD or as a very old man 
in terrible old man makeup. I don't know. Mm. I just want to see him. I want him back. I miss. I do too. I do too. I'm just worried that it's not going to, I'm going to put on my Eeyore hat. I'm worried that it's not going to be good. And I want it to be good. I think it will be good because I feel like there's a plan and it's not the Cylons plan. Because they didn't have one. Because <laughs> they didn't have one. Yeah, I'm I'm beginning to worry because the agents, these are supposed to be some really intelligent, um, can can think their way through any situ- given situation, and they're they're not adapting to what's going on around them, and not adapting can get you killed. Clearly. Yeah. That's in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just worried that all the characters are going to be stupid for the rest of the season. And that's not what I want. I want them. I want this show to go out on a very strong note. Cause I, I, it feels like this is the last season and I don't want it to be a bad season. Well, I don't want to be disappointed. I don't either, but I don't feel like they're being stupid. I feel like they're trying to uphold their own moral code and do things their way. Uh, Daisy is being impulsive. I feel like Coulson is trying to figure things out, trying to solve the puzzle. And then by extension of that, Melinda May is right behind him. The other, you know, the rest of everybody else is trying to support. Yeah. (laughs) I do wish that they would realize that they're not on Earth anymore. Right. And you and you got to, you know, when in Rome, you got to be. Yes. They're not in Kansas anymore. They're no. not. And yeah. And they have not adapted well to the rules of the world other than trying to get by. Without fully embracing. And and I think that that's actually in, in a lot of ways, that's admirable. I mean, Max saying we're not going to kill this guy because we don't do that. Um, That's. That's admirable, you know, even though it means yeah. possibly, you know, not being able to fulfill their mission. And and that's the that that's the point where you're like, OK, which way do we go with this? And that's the the moral dilemmas that you're going to face. And we don't face those moral dilemmas here. Most of us don't anyway of if I don't kill this person, I won't be able to fulfill the mission. Uh, most of our missions that we have to fulfill are much less important than saving the entire universe. But. For for them, I mean, they they put themselves in danger for Zev. They could have killed him and let him go and made it look like an accident. And maybe it wouldn't have worked, but it's better than nothing. And and they didn't. And true. Yeah. So I, I'm curious where this is all going to how this is all going to play out. I'm mostly curious, like what's going to happen when they go home. And I want them to go home. I, I want to have some more present day adventures with them. Um. But I'm also enjoying this world here, and I'm curious about this world. Well, it's just I'm just a little concerned because over the past four seasons, the previous four seasons, these characters have proven themselves to be very intelligent, and they think things through. And here they're being impulsive and unintelligent and not realizing that they need to change something within themselves in order to survive and get out. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's basically 
there it's it's poor writing it's inconsistent writing um and i think it could have been written better too well i mean we're making that statement that it could have been written better three episodes in had we yeah. you know well, i mean just specifically for done, this just specifically for this one specific episode last episode yeah i could see it because they're still yeah. adjusting by this point they should have have adjusted already but here's the thing i appreciate about this and that is something we have complained about and and that's the the darkness where the characters go to these dark places and they have these dark secrets and colson isn't acting like colson and he's not joking and he's not doing this and he's not doing that they're doing that they're not they're not dark they're not going into this they're, they're they are in a very dark place but they mm-hmm. are not that's just the place where their bodies are. That is not where their mindset is. And that's something I do appreciate about this whole arc here. And, and you know, when, when Mac talks about, we're not going to kill this guy, that's Mac being Mac and, and being, you know, again, this value of life, because they are in a world where life does not have any value beyond what it can produce for, you know, the the overlords and yeah, the cynical people can say, yeah, that's life here. You know, our life does not have value except for the money that you make for the corporations or or whatever. Um, but I appreciate that they're not going and, and turning all the characters into these dark versions of themselves where they're, you know, start brooding and 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 start, uh, you know, really second guessing everything and. And so I, I'm, I'm appreciating where we're at with this. I like that they're keeping their humanity in a place that is devoid of it. I get that. Um, I just want it to progress faster. <laughs> well, what because I, I want to see more of it, I guess. <laughs> well, I see where you guys are coming from. It's just I wish we could have. I, I, I just wish that um, there was something that they had gone to a deeper place without having to go darker or to a more sensible place without having to go darker. Again, this is only episode three. Who knows what they got in store for us? True. I'm sure somebody does, but we don't. That's, that's maybe the better. Well, here's what I have in store for us right now. And that is, like I said, we started with Dallas. We're ending with Dallas. Dallas sent in another message that is about this episode specifically. He says, we're only three episodes in, and I'm absolutely loving this season. Great episode. So it looks like there are still Cherogenesis rituals happening. Where and by who? Abby's powers were neat. Small confusion. Is Cassius based on the Earth, or was that just the arena? Who is it on the comms uh, coming from the Earth? At this point, I'm just wondering, as a season overall, how the season is going to be structured. Will half the season be the future, parallel universe, and the other half be back to the present day, trying to prevent whatever caused the Earth to shatter? Or will this be another three-arc season like last season? And the answers to those questions, Agent Dallas, well, we'll find out soon. (laughs) Yeah, we will find out soon. My my feeling is, and I, I have nothing to back this up, um, but my, my feeling is that we're still going to be in space when we go to a Christmas break and mm-hmm. that we'll come back from the Christmas break and and finish out, you know, the 
um, you know, the half of the season. So maybe get to like episode 10 or 11 and then return back to present day and we'll, we'll finish out the season in the present day. That's my, my, my guess with no information. So, right. Samantha, Stu, you have a yes. prediction that we can end on. What do you think? How long are we staying in space? The whole mm. season. I think we're going to go the whole season. Ouch. And there will there will be flashbacks or maybe like somebody communi- some sort of communication or something like that. But I think we're going to go the whole season. I mean, if we go the whole season, that's going to take us basically over all the way to uh, Infinity War. Well, they're not going to show up in Infinity War, so it's fine. Well, and th- that's just right, is that's how they could possibly stay out of right any right. mention of Infinity War. Right. Oh, I think at some point they may go back to 2017 or 2018 because they have to figure out what they have to stop whatever it was um that broke up the earth in the first place and i don't i am i'm with you guys i don't necessarily think it was was sky i think it may have been some other factor uh that's it then that's it for this episode so well do uh, samantha what do you got for me how do you want to end this got any final words any special words I just want to say thank you everybody to listening and keep sending in emails and keep chatting with us on Facebook and well, I'm usually on Facebook. So, (laughs) (laughs) and if you are propelled into the future, keep your head down. Don't do something stupid. (laughs) Like meet your mom in the future. Yeah, he met his mom in the future. Did he? Okay, well. (laughs) This is not the Back to the Future podcast. No, it is not. It is not. Uh, I'm just going to say, you know who knows what's going on for this season? You know who knows what's going on for Infinity War? And you know who knows what's going on for how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to tie into the greater MCU? It's the shoe guy. And shoe guy knows all. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, it's Christmas season, and so I think that um, for our our post credit here, I would like us to vote for the official best MCU Christmas movie.
So what is your number one pick for MCU Christmas movie? Stu? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because there's a big tree. Mm, doesn't count. Uh, Samantha? <laughs> Samantha, what's, what's your favorite MCU Christmas movie? Iron Man 3. That is correct. And that is also mine. That's two votes. And so it's official. Iron Man 3 is the number one movie uh, featuring Christmas Christmas in the MCU. I think we have finally figured out the one way that I could get even Daniel Butcher to accept that Iron Man 3 is the best something. (laughs) Now I want to have a commentary with Daniel Butcher talking about Iron Man 3. That'd be fantastic as the best Christmas movie. It is. It is. And the best DC Christmas movie? Samantha? I don't know. Samantha? I have no idea. Samantha? Best DC? Hmm. That's correct. Batman Returns is the best. I was about to say, Batman Returns. Yeah. That's the best DC Christmas movie. And if you want to talk about the uh, religious and theological implications of that movie. I'd be happy to talk with anyone about it because there's some really interesting stuff that can't, it, there's no way that Tim Burton was not thinking. This. Batman returns, right? Batman returns. Yes. Okay. I have not seen that in probably 25 years. <laughs> well, I'm not saying rush out and watch it again for the Christmas season. I'm just saying it's the best <laughs> Christmas movie of DC movies and the best star trek christmas movie i don't know generations Uh, generations Generations. boom because the only star trek christmas movie well that's kind of the point of the joke here Stu. (laughs) oh oh there's only that one scene (laughs) yeah yeah picard's the the place on earth the place he wants to go the most you know, if if he's going to create a life for himself that's perfect and and you know trouble free or whatever, is of course every French guy right. would go to a um, British uh, Vic- <laughs> Victorian so, uh, Christmas scene. So, so okay, so so what's the best Star Wars Christmas movie? Oh no. Well, no, there is it's no, not there canon. Is, there is it's no Star canon. Wars Christmas movie. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. It's no. not canon. No, yes. it's not canon. Yes. It's not canon. No, it's not canon. Chewie celebrating Life Day. No. Yeah. It's not canon. Not anymore. It's not canon. It wasn't canon to begin with, but it 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 is. It is. That's the best one. Parts of it are canon. Yeah. Lumpy characters and Mala. Oh, that's right. Maybe, but the yeah. show, no, no, that special is not canon. Damn. It does not count. No. I might as well write a fan fiction where they celebrate Christmas. It would be better. Guaranteed. That's actually probably true. But <laughs> but we're not going to call it a Christmas movie because it's not actually it's Christmas. It's Life Day. And it's it was, it went on TV like Thanksgiving weekend. So. It's a holiday movie. I'll guarantee, I'll grant you that, but not a Christmas movie. Well, isn't it, isn't it the Star Wars holiday special? It is absolutely not the Christmas. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That was. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to run right out and watch that. I'll tell you right now. Uh, okay, you could do that. 
yourself. <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> anyway. All right, guys. Later. Thanks for talking and all thanks right. for hanging out. And yeah, all our listeners, thanks for putting up with complaining about the holiday special. Because one and, and, geek podcast around the holidays <laughs> does not mention the holiday special at least once, right? At least once. At least once. And you should tell us <sighs> your favorite holiday geek movie. Ooh, yes, absolutely. Mm. Hey, the best Gremlins Christmas movie is Gremlins. Yes, it's the the first <laughs> one. So, all right. All right. Joke's getting old. Time for us to turn this off. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.